0: What is happening, everybody? It's another edition of Icy Takes. Jeff, Zach, Big Dave, all here in the house, ready to get down with it. And gentlemen, I'm going to ask you how your week was, but I'm ready to be angry during this show. Um, not because of who won. I know that's why Jeff is, and, and Zach, why you guys are angry from last week with the World Series. But there were a couple things that just went down in Game Six that none of us are down with. So before we get angry about this, uh, Zach, how have you been? How was the weekend? Tell me what
1: happened. Oh, well, okay. Dave, my weekend was pretty good. I uh, crushed some alcohol on Friday, and uh, Saturday I handed out alcohol. Candy.
0: Didn't you? You got a What's new that? beer? Didn't you get a, did new a new this beer this weekend?
1: I do have it. I do have a new beer, and it was incredible. Uh, yes, something I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop here, but if you guys haven't heard of Levante Brewing out in Westchester, PA, uh, it is a must, it is a must uh, get beer from. I, I can say I've never been been there, but I've ordered their beer online because of the new feature and because 2020 has been so progressive um, that you can order online and you literally get it within two to three days. They released a, a fall slash winter beer uh, called the Sticky Buns IPA. And it's literally brewed with sticky buns. And it was honestly incredible. A good old hazy IPA checking in at 7%. uh, You know, you just drank one. You felt like you got your uh, Eaton Park meal and you were uh, eating a sticky bun on the side. It was uh, honestly incredible. One of my favorite brews that I've had uh, so far in my young five-year craft beer experience in life. Um, But yeah, definitely loved that so um that was friday um and saturday i handed out trick-or-treat uh handed out uh, candy to trick-or-treaters uh and then i drank after that so naturally i was sober for the kiddos
0: wearing a costume while handing out candy
1: no no i wasn't so here's the thing i could have gone to a halloween party on saturday um what costumes were encouraged. And like, I was in one of those Saturday moods where I just didn't want to do anything. Like, I understood it was Halloween, but Halloween's never really been my holiday. Um, Halloween is just the acceptable time to begin putting up the Christmas tree. So I, you know, I've never really taken Halloween serious. Uh, in Slippery Rock, when I, when I used to go to Halloween parties, I would do the most bare bones costume. I would throw on my Sydney Crosby jersey, take out my hockey helmet and throw a couple band-aids on the hockey helmet because he was dealing with concussions back in those days so you know it was just a real easy costume to do but still like just Halloween was never my thing so it was nice to hand out candy to the kids it was also nice to not have a ton of trick-or-treaters because that means there's a ton more leftover candy uh and like I said crush some more brews on Saturday and uh you know I never really count Sundays as a weekend day because it just means it's the day before Monday so uh,
2: question: uh, Jeff, Chris, she takes podcast. Um, oh. Question regarding your uh, your handing out of the candy. How lenient are you with with the kids that come up, or do you ask them questions and make it kind of work for it?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm pretty I'm pretty easy going. Um, you know, not the flex here, but we're a full size family. We give out full size candy bars. You've a boy. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't, if, if you're trying to grab two, then you know, I hope hellfire rains down upon you and your future children but um i can see little jimmy being scared as all hell with that statement. well yeah yeah i mean honestly i'm strong strong and fortunate to take one but normally you don't have a bunch of greedy people when you're giving out full-size candy bars um that said we got the hershey's fundraising variety kit so there was like the twizzler nibs hershey bars i think snickers or three musketeers was in that and then like uh think it's like some Sour Patch Kids or something. Um, No Reese's. Did they take Reese's out of them? I I think they were in a different box. Um, Yeah, I think, actually, I think the Reese's were with like three Musketeers and Snickers and stuff like that, but uh, nonetheless, um, you know, the Hershey's were the first off the board. I was kind of disappointed with that because, you know, I was banking on some leftover Hershey's, but, (laughs) oh, Kit Kats were the other one. Uh, Mm. We have like eight size Kit Kats left. How are you? Oh, Uh, that's several twists. Yeah, so... Honestly, big, big ups to the people that left us Kit Kats. I think I tweeted about that because that made me super happy. And uh, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, I don't know what you guys, you guys handed out candy or, or what you guys did, but someone actually came to our door as Bob Ross and like literally came as a painting. And it was honestly the greatest costume I have ever seen in my entire life. Well done. Well yeah, done. awesome. It was awesome. Well, was done. Awesome. well, done. Um, well done.
0: Jeff. Jeff, you had a weekend, didn't you? Or didn't you? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, so I'm going to re- do a, a little rewind going into before we recorded the show on Monday. I had found out earlier uh, earlier that day that I had possibly been ex- exposed to uh, COVID through somebody through work. Um, so my, my plans were almost shattered before I could even get them going. But with me being the incredible athlete of a human being that I am, I beat COVID. Oh, yeah. Want to know against it? Thank you for coming, COVID. Um, so, uh, so Friday I had a Halloween party with my uh, my significant other. We went as Bugs and Lola Bunny from Space Jam, big hit. Um, so yeah, that was our costume for that. You know, we drank, had some fun. Um, me and the significant other one two and no on the beer pong table. Thank you. Um, keep the change. Yep. Yeah, you keep change. You know, just keep the, keep the extra dollar. Donate that to charity or something. Do something nice. But uh, so so that was Friday night. Pretty laid back. Like I said, just went to a party. Kind of really lived a little bit of the college days, but it was more of a more of a adulting kind of party, though. Like we played pong and everything, but like you didn't have the idiot just like doing a keg stand or anything, like, you didn't have any of that, so, um, (laughs) Saturday, uh, we, um, as my significant other likes to say, we did fall, fall things together, fun fall things, as she likes to say, uh, we, we carved a pumpkin together, which I had no say in what this thing was going to look like, I put out a few ideas, all got shut down, um, and, then we went trick or treating with her niece and nephew. Um, exactly like you, I do like to see what the costumes are that come around and, um, who did well. I saw a eight year old and a four year old pull off the Dr. Evil and Mini Me pairing. Oh, wow. oh, nice. It was like, wow. it, it was spot on, like, gray suit, like, full gray suit. And then, um, and then like the white tennis shoes, like the white Nike Air tennis shoes or whatever the hell they wore in the movie. Um, very well done by the kids. It was, it was very well done. That was probably my favorite. Um, around the neighborhood, we went around the theme, I guess, of the year was have the fire pit in your driveway. I don't know uh, really? what you guys had saw or anything, but it seemed like everybody had a fire fire pit. Um, there was a couple houses that were giving parents beers or shots or something to kind of keep the parents going, too, because you got to keep our morale up as well. So, um, so. but other than that, that was Saturday, and then Sunday, uh, another Sunday, another Steelers win. So, 7-0, how are you? And um, that was pretty much the weekend for me. So, um, if we're going to keep the beer talk going of what we're drinking, I'm drinking the, uh, the Yingling Hershey chocolate uh, porter, oh. so... I need your review on that. I want to get your thoughts, and then I'll tell you mine. So I I think it's good. I can't have a lot of them, though. Like, I can only have, like, one or two till like, my mouth gets, like, really, like, like, I I don't, how do I say this without it not coming out? Dry mouth? Kind of, like, you know how, like, when you eat, like, a lot of sweets, and, like, your mouth gets, like like, your saliva gets, like, really thick? Mm-hmm. that's kind of like what happens to me. So um, that's, I, I would give it like a seven, two on a scale of one to 10. Um, it's really, it's, it's good, but it's not like the greatest thing I've ever had.
1: So I'll, I'll tell you a recommendation that I heard and it actually proved to be true for me is uh, I assume you were having these beers cold, correct? Yes. As a normal person would. So yeah. I was told with the Hershey's beer that the, the, the more room temp it is, the better it is. Um, and I tried that. Cause I got the same impression that you did from the first one. It, I would say it probably took a good five to 10 seconds after your first sip for that to really get that Hershey's taste. And I was Mm -hmm. like, at first I was kind of put off by it. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't a big fan. I was like, Oh shit, this kind of sucks. Um, but then the Hershey's taste hit me, but it still was kind of underwhelming. So I was looking in, in some of these pages I belong to, and everyone's like gloating about the beer because it had just been dropped and everyone being it that. It's a local beer was super excited about it. Um, So, you know, I was I was trying to see if anyone else felt the same way I did. And then someone someone pretty much did. And they said, look, if you want the best experience out of it, uh, if you didn't put any in the fridge, try one at room temp because you get the chocolate faster and it doesn't taste like you said that dry mouth effect where you you feel like you had too many sweets. So I did that and it was almost a different beer to me. So if you have any left that are, are able to be salvaged or, you know, if you let it sit out for just a little bit, I definitely recommend it. I'll have to pull one out and try that. It's it's a very good beer. I I really do like it. It's just I don't think you know as any other beer is good cold. That one is definitely an exception. Yeah,
2: I hear you for sure.
0: So as Jeff pulls a beer from his fridge, I can talk about my weekend for a little bit, <laughs> and then we can get into the show. Um, so worked another football game Friday night. That's been the that's been the usual covering live covering a school near where I live. Live stream their games. They won twenty nine nothing probably against their best opponent so far and it's weird how they're doing playoffs this year with uh high school football so after week six playoffs started after that and you kind of just went into the playoff schedule so you didn't even go to your normal schedule unless you lost and then it was up to the school the coaches and the players if they wanted to continue to have their season and play other people who were knocked out of the playoffs or just end their season. One or the other. So this team was in the semifinals, played their best competition, shut them out twenty nine nothing, and now looking to go into the. Um, oh, who has their phone on? Come on, that's my bad. Sorry,
1: <laughs> I was like shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, we get breaking news here. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So the school that we're covering, Richland, will be in the District Six Championship game in Quad A football come next week. I don't know who they're playing. I could probably look it up. I'll let you know later. Um, Saturday went to another wedding reception. So that's been four in the last seven weeks.
2: Jesus.
0: Um, It was outdoor. So technically, I think the way they got around it with having as many people as they did, it was considered outdoor with having like a giant tent surround us to, you know, kind of keep the cold away from all of us. And, uh, I, it was basically a high school reunion for me. So, uh, but it was nobody that I graduated with. It was me or set one or two people. It was a lot of people that were a year below me because the, the bride was a year below me and the groom was a year above me. So I'm kind of, you know, stuck in the middle between all these people I went to high school with, but I was able to see some parents and, you know, have, have some good cranberry and vodka. That seems to be my go-to drink for weddings, cranberry and vodka. I don't know what it's you guys great, think of that combo. It's a great but,
1: wedding drink, honestly. I am, I'm with you.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm not going out to drink it on my own at the house or at the bar, but at a wedding, you can see me drinking those nine times out of ten.
1: Nine know. times out of nine, if you know
2: what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bad choice, though. I mean, you can't like get bogged down with calories and stuff at, uh, at weddings. You want to make sure you're staying hydrated but still
1: getting your alcohol on. And I was exactly. going to say, I think... To go off to go off Jeff's point is I feel like that, a uh, uh, several beers or a few beers can make you feel bloated as a shit. But, but a nice cranberry mm-hmm. vodka if you keep that mixing at the right pace it's it's a smooth all nighter.
0: Oh yeah, it definitely
1: like, was.
2: I'm a big rum and coke guy at weddings.
0: Those were too, do, but I I think they kind of do the same thing of as too many beers with the uh, the mix of the caffeine and the depressant of alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know the cranberry just helps. But yeah, that that was my my weekend as well. I mean, I watched the football game like like Jeff did, you know, 7 and 0. Woo-woo. Here we go. Um but yeah, I think I think that's it. We can we can now get into the show. Actually, hold left. on,
2: hold on, hold on. I forgot one more thing. I have another roller hockey story I got I got to ask oh. you, least, Zach, about. Um it's more on uh on I I, I guess ethics ethics is that what i'm looking for but anyway so so my team's losing we're losing like six two everybody's kind of like miserable towards the end of the game um i think we had a power play maybe at the end like a meaningless power play and um i look at the clock and there's like Liz puck with like four seconds left and like me me and this kid the, the kid's probably oh he can't be any more than 20 years old so we'll say he's 20 um, real scrawny looking kid. You know, I probably have probably about 50, 60 pounds on him. So like, I look, I look at this loose puck and I'm like, I'm not skating for this. It's six, two or yeah, it's six, three there. We're not coming back. I'm not exerting the energy to go get this puck. I'm just not worried about it. So mm-hmm. I, I like pull up and kind of like turn away. And I look at the kid and I go, you're good, Bob, you're good. And this kid proceeds. To go in on a breakaway. Again, four seconds left. Goes in on a breakaway. Goes backhand top shelf on our goaltender. Oh, I, wow. I, I, tur- I turn. And I'm not kidding you. My jaw dropped through the floor. Dropped through the floor. Because I could not believe that this kid w- did that. Like, situational awareness, man. Like you're, 100%. The, the, the goal doesn't matter. Like. I did, in what world would anybody tell you go ahead you're good, go score this goal on my goaltender, like I I just like couldn't believe it, and like naturally like in the in the handshake line I, I like pulled him aside and was like, buddy you're lucky that that it was me that saw that and it wasn't like somebody else that would would really care because you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have you would probably have two black eyes right now, and like he looked at me and was like oh I'm sorry man and I'm like. You just, you just got to know the code, man. Just got to know the code. There's just no reason for you to score a goal there.
1: What a scumbag. So my initial thoughts are I hope next game he gets boarded from behind and probably loses a limb. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, situational awareness. It's like, okay, there's four seconds left. My team's down by three. I, there's two options here. I could either go into the corner pissed off and try to lay you out or can see that, hey, my team lost and it's just over. And even if you're on the winning team, it's like there's a three-goal three goal cushion with – literally seconds remaining, like just eat the time and, and say good game. Right. But no, yeah, let's like, just get a, a freaking deep burn. trash bag. Yeah.
2: And like, the thing is, is like when you think of like a trash bag, roller hockey player, like you think like some goof he has, like his tongue's flopping over his laces. He's got, you know, long, douchey hair, chained like a cunha. Like, you, you know, the guy's act.
1: Oh, for sure. For so,
2: sure. It, it wasn't. It was, like, a really nice, quiet kid that, like, you know, I, I, I would think would be, like, okay, like, I, I, I get what he's doing here or whatever. Like, I, like when he did it, I, like, half of me was shocked that, like, the kid did it because I didn't expect him, of all people, to do it. Like, his, his makeup of, like, how he plays isn't that type of person. And I was just, like, oh, my God. And, like, even the referees were, like, we were surprised you didn't kill
1: him. Like, so so i need to ask will there be a rematch in the future is this a playoff game like where where are we at with this
2: i think it's just a season game i'm i, I mean i'll let it go it's whatever i mean but when we play them like if we're up big i'm gonna run it up on them yeah like, i was gonna say absolutely i just like, i'm not i'm not gonna go and like try and kill the kid because like that's just not me like i'm not gonna get somebody hurt because we all have to go to work the next day i'm a big proponent of that so you're um, a better person than me jeff to be honest (laughs) with you. but but (laughs) i can guarantee you if we're up like 9-1 i'm i'm trying to score 10 11 and 12
1: you should uh so so this way you don't hurt him physically if you guys rematch you should do the uh, the hashtag Kovalchuk point if you score against them. Oh just yeah, I, well I mean seek I've done them out wherever. I've,
2: I mean I've done that once in this league already, so I mean I don't want to be doubling down on 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 celebrations. Maybe <laughs> I'll maybe way. I'll do maybe I'll do the Ovechkin like glove to the ear or something like that.
1: Oh, I like that. But there you I, go. I was gonna say either way, you need to learn from your mistakes, and this kid just can't think that that was okay. Right. So I'm not yeah. you're him. I'm not saying you put a vertebrae out like Eric Cole and, and Brooks Orpic, but <laughs> I am saying that if he comes into this without having learned a lesson for next time, then that that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
0: So time time will tell what happens with this. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Make make sure he learns, Jeff. That's all I want to tell you. And all yeah. of this. So he's gonna
2: learn today. That's what he's gonna do. You're gonna learn yeah. today.
0: Alright, well, speaking of learning today, let's uh, rewind it back to the bottom of the 6th inning in Game 6 of the World Series, with Tampa Bay having a one nothing lead. Uh, the starter, Blake Snell, set to, set to face the 8-9 and 1-hitter. Um, and looking through, I believe that he had only given up 1 hit. Up until that point. Yeah. It was only one hit. There was one base runner that he had allowed through five innings. And that was like what? In the bottom of the third inning, he gave out or he gave up a single to Chris Taylor, Jeff's favorite player on the Dodgers and <laughs> uh with no one on. So and no and no not out. Of course no one's on. Um so bottom of the sixth inning, here we go, boys. We're facing AJ Pollock. And we get a pop fly. Next up, Austin Barnes. It's a 1-1 pitch. It's the third pitch. So this is pitch number four of the inning. You got a soft single up the middle uh, by Austin Barnes that brings up Mookie Betts to the plate. Mookie Betts is 0-2 with two strikeouts against Blake Snell. All right? You got one out. So if you strike him out, you got two outs. Next batter, Corey Seager. He's 0-2. With two strikeouts in this game, and let's just bring it. Let's just bring it out one more further, just in case we get to this point. Maybe Seager or Betts gets on base here. Justin Turner is 0 for two with two strikeouts. Plot so twist Blake at the now, end of this one here. Huh? <laughs> Blake Snell has six strikeouts on the top three hitters of this. You could argue very stacked lineup that the Dodgers bring every night with. 76 pitches. I'm going to double check that just to make sure because, oh no, it's even better. It's 73 pitches. So you got one out, one on, bottom of the sixth inning, one nothing lead in a game that you're, that you need to win in order to keep the season alive, not even win the World Series. And Kevin Cash goes out to pull Blake Snell. Now, this isn't because he thought he was having a poor performance. This has been the script all year long for Tampa Bay. Where when you get to the lineup the third time around, you stats show that pitchers aren't as effective against those hitters. That's really as basic as I'll keep it. So you pull what is arguably your ace pitcher out of the out of a do or die game in the bottom of the sixth with seventy three pitches, just gave up his second base runner of the game on a soft single. They say line drive, but I don't think they could have worded it. any other way to uh, misconstrue what happened. It was a soft line drive, but that's an oxymoron. Um, Kevin Cash pulls Blake Snell. I want to get into this, but I wanted to see if you guys had anything to add on to it before I do. Um, Or if you wanted to give your piece right now.
2: I'll just say this. Because I want Dave to continue this story. This is your kinda, this mm-hmm. is your your gimmick here. Um, I'll just say this on how I how I feel about what ends up transpiring here. If Brian Snicker would ever do this, he would be almost on the same grounds as Freddie Gonzalez. And Dave, if you've been with me for a long time with my Braves fandom, I hate Freddie Gonzalez. So, I smiled
0: when you said that
2: name. That I mean, that's where Brian Snicker would be if he does what Kevin cash is about to do right here. So that's all I got to say about that. And then I'll give my, my piece on this whole thing, but
1: that's all I got. I'll just say that I was legitimately stunned. I, I think that, it. Uh, and yeah, you completely own this story, but I think in this decisive game that you throw the rule book and the code out, even if you'd been abiding by it all season in terms of how you want to pull your pitchers and how you manage it as a system, like Simply inexcusable, especially with your ace on the hill. But yeah, I'll let you keep getting jammed up.
0: <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to stay this jammed up about a team that I don't really have any care for. I um, guess <laughs> another team that I don't really have any care for at the same time. But it just it is completely—I completely I don't know, infuriating. I don't know if I already used use that word for what is happening right now with the game of baseball with analytics. And how it is viewed and how there is a certain structure that needs to be uh, uh, basically abided to if you are the manager and how you construct your roster and how you go by the game script each game. In game 100 of 162, I'm not upset about this. It might ju- It's a weird move, but I'm not upset about this. If this is game 14, I'm not upset about this. If this is literally do or die that if you lose this game, you're done. Who else on this team is a better pitcher than Blake Snell on the Tampa Bay Rays? Anyone
1: no one not the guy that gave up those runs no no that was, right. that,
2: <laughs> the guy they brought in after Blake Snell was like the equivalent of like when Lloyd McClendon would go to Solomon Torres with the bases loaded in one out in like the <laughs> early two what a comparison.
0: Well, I mean, if Solomon Torres was coming in and Sammy Sosa came up to the plate, you know what was going to happen then.
2: Yeah, it was going to be a home run with a cork bat, but still... No, Solomon it was going to be a sucks.
0: crack to the helmet. You don't, you don't remember that pitch by Solomon Torres.
2: I do not, know because every other pitch that he had usually ended up in the seats or in the gap. So <laughs> it's hard for me to remember the ones that didn't end up in that result.
0: Right. Um, you bring in... You bring in Nick Anderson to replace Blake Snell in 2020 in 19 games, uh, 16 and a third innings pitched did pretty well. You know, you had a 0.55 ERA, but you know, you're pitching less than an inning per appearance out there. Five hits, two runs, one earned, uh, one home run, three walks and 26 strikeouts. Numbers are what? Pretty good. Pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: Yeah, but this is a small sample size. This is, a, this is a dude that's pitched less than an inning per appearance, and I'm trying to find even like the the playoff numbers. And I I want to say that this might have been no, those are simulated stats. the The postseason pitching. Let's check it out here. He had. I believe two two appearances against the in the wild card game against uh Toronto, the wild card series. Three thirty-eight ERA there, uh one ninety-three ERA against the Yankees in two appearance, um an eight thirty-one ERA against the uh, the Asterix and four and a third innings pitch. So he was pitching more than an inning per appearance there, and a nine ERA against the Dodgers. So Kind of going off track here a little bit. Why do you bring in a dude who is obviously just a middle-of-the-pack reliever, not really there, doesn't really have explosive stuff, is just there for essentially helping someone get out of a jam, when this is clearly not a jam, um, against arguably one of the best players we have in the league right now, Mookie Betts, who over 0-2 against your starter. It just—it is— I want to say, frozen. I, w- I want to use that as kind of kind of a word that Kevin Cash couldn't think outside of the box enough, or was too afraid to go off the game script. That is not a manager. That is just being someone who just runs the simulations, and you were just a robot out there. There is no managing the game. It is just going by a complete script. If Blake Snell had a no hitter and a perfect game and eighteen strikeouts with 90 pitches through six innings. Do you think he pulls Blake Snell going into the seventh inning? Does does he get pulled there? Cause they're going to the lineup the third time around. Does that change?
2: Yeah, I think, I, I think he pulls them regardless. I mean, after for the move that he makes, I think he was so committed to that. And he's been committed all year to this mm-hmm. stupid go through the lineup three times here and you're going to get hit, hit around the third time. I think he pulls him regardless.
0: But it, all right, so let's go back to the pitch count as well. We talked about Tyler Glass now getting rocked out there, didn't we? But somehow yep. he was able to stay within the, the lineup twice with those pitches. I don't know if I have more of a problem of him pulling Blake Snell this early or leaving Tyler Glass now out to die that long with over 110 pitches in each appearance because well, he didn't get to the, the lineup the third time around. And then Blake Snell is automatic through one of the best lineups in the league and you're still pulling him. Even he'd even did it in game two. They had a big enough lead or they didn't screw it up, but this was a one run lead against one of the best offenses in the, all of baseball. Let's, let's look at what happened next. Uh, first or third pitch, Mookie Betts doubles, you know, second and third, no big deal. One out. You got your bullpen out there. This is supposed to be the analytics covering you. Um, Second pitch against Corey Seager. A wild pitch, and Barnes scores, and Mookie Betts got to third. So now you're in a tie ball game because of a double and a wild pitch. And that's Blake Snell's run that just scored there. So now he has an earned run on his uh, on his stats. Then you still have one out with a runner on third, and Mookie Betts. So the infield is in on Corey Seager. Seager, a fast ground ball to first base. Um, so good fielding there. I forget who was playing first in that game, but Mookie Betts had such an incredible jump. They still try to get him at the plate because now they're desperate to get this runner out because of the dumbass move that Kevin Cash made. And Mookie Betts slides in easy, and you know it was the ball game after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Turner flies out. They bring out Nick Anderson. Well, he faces three batters, and the guys who struck out every single time had a double, a fielder's choice, and uh, and Seager was safe at first as well, so that didn't even produce an out. And a fly ball, so he was. He got one out in those three batters that he faced, and then Aaron Loop came in, got the next out, and it was ball game. After that, the Rays had no chance. This is why the Rays don't win things.
2: Yeah, you rely on a computer. This is what happens. I mean, even Billy, being the guy that invented most of this horse shit that we look at now, um, he's he he's even quoted as saying that it can. It'll win in the, uh, in the playoffs, or in this regular season, but once you get to the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. So I, I, I just can't believe that there's teams that still run these analytics and everything in the, in the, in the playoffs because it's an absolute crapshoot and you need your best of the best to step up. And, I mean, like I, like I said before you finished off, Dave, if Brian Snicker would pull Mike Soroka because he was going into his third, the third time through the lineup, and he he's pitching a one hitter with only seventy five pitches. I I would put him in the same categories for Ray Gonzalez.
0: Zach, anything to add based off what I've said?
1: Uh, I just honestly think that analytics are they're essential to the game, but I think they are very much overvalued. And in a situation like this, I I just I don't know. I think you leaned on analytics way too hard. Um, completely screwed your team. Um, and, and, like, to be quite frank, it was kind of just a dick move. That's your ace pitcher out there. And, you know, just because it didn't line up with the thought process and then making it through the lineup three times that you go out and yank him when you did. Like, I just, I think that's such a bad look. And to be so dependent on on, on stats and charts and graphs as opposed to trusting your best guy, I mean, that might be an old-school mentality, but it uh, it clearly screwed the team and, you know, like you said, as soon as the Dodgers got that extra run, you, you, you knew it was over. Like, and that's just, well, they, honestly. It was,
2: they that, said they were, like, laughing in the dugout that they took Snell out. They're like, all right, we got a chance.
0: Like Basically, yeah. I mean, I, w- I would laugh, too, if someone's getting pulled and we're getting absolutely schooled by this dude on the mound.
2: Like, Dave, you played yeah. Little League baseball, right? Like, you played baseball yeah. at a young age. Like, when you got the kids pitching, like, there's always, like, there's one or two kids in the league that, like, just shoved it up your hoop. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they just, they threw hard. You knew you weren't touching. That's a sack. That's awesome. Um, and then like when he left, like, because of either pitch count or like whatever, whatever reason that he ended up leaving the game, you're like, all right, here we go. A new arm, you know, they're bringing it back down to like 50 mile an hour instead of seeing 60. Like that makes a big difference. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I just like, one of my buddies asked me because like, um, the guys I coach hockey with, like they know how much like I love the Atlanta Braves and like how into the into the playoffs I was for how deep the Braves went. And he came up to me and he goes, he was kind of laughing when he asked me, and he goes, "So what did you hate more, the Dodgers winning it or the Rays just giving it to them?" And I <laughs> I said I said just the Rays just giving it to them because I felt like I felt like the Dodgers like. They were on the ropes, and if, if the race could have pulled out Game 6, I think it would have been a, a big coin flip for Game 7.
0: I mean, you had Mr. Game yeah. 7 going, Charlie Morton, so it would have been a very tough task for the Dodgers to get through that. Um, another thing about the Dodgers that I wanted to bring up that's uh, not something I mentioned before this. I believe before the game started, or even when we recorded last week, it was noted in Game 6 that three pitchers wouldn't go for the Dodgers. Walker Buehler, Julio Urias, and Clayton Kershaw. But when the Dodgers get that lead, and then they go to the top of the seventh, and Bruce stars on the mound, he gets two quick outs on four pitches, but then gives up a single to Mike Zunino. Julio Urias comes from the bullpen and gets the usual seven-out save in the World Series <laughs> to end it, which basically shows that One guy stuck to the script so much, and the other guy made an announcement that one guy wasn't going to go, saw his opportunity, and was like, You know what? F it. Julio, get out there. Let's just win this tonight and not worry about tomorrow. This is, I know um, we've, I haven't really said it as much, but Jeff, I remember even bringing up how much of a manager, how much I like Dave Roberts as a manager. And, you know, you said with all that talent, he should be able to get to that level all the time. And he's been to, what, three World Series in the last four years, and this time was finally able to pin it down, maybe because of a gaffe on the other end, but also not going to a complete script and using what could be used at that time to take advantage of the moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, when that all went down, I didn't even have to watch watch it or even pay attention. I knew it was going to happen, that they were going to go to Urias. If they If they were leading after seven... And you didn't think they were going to Urias to to close that game out? You're nuts, especially after what he did to the to the Braves in um in in the series before, where he pretty much shut them down completely. So, um, yeah, I mean, good on Dave Roberts. Absolutely, uh, as much as I am cri- not not necessarily critical, but I won't exactly say he's you know manager of the year because of what he did. Um, I I. I will I'm give not him saying credit.
0: manager of the year type stuff. I'm just saying he is probably a top ten manager in the league.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I would say he's more of like six, seven, eight. I wouldn't put him top five.
0: I oh, Never said that.
2: I know, but but, <laughs> um Jesus, Dave. Now I was trying to go somewhere with that. Oh. The, the, the comparison that I'll give kevin cash though is is he not the damn balma of major league baseball now someone that just can't get off get off the way that he wanted he wants to manage and if he can't manage his way you know what he's going to do keep managing the way he wants to manage
0: pretty pretty sure after the game he said I would not have changed what I've done and I think that is I I don't know how I feel about that because if you go out of that and tell people that you wish you would have changed your mind, doesn't that just open you up for just more gunshots, for lack of a better term?
2: Or I don't know something like yeah I screwed up I relied on a computer.
0: Yeah, does does that just not open you up for more criticism after that?
2: I, I would rather him say I would rather him say I made a decision it was the wrong one, than him say. I wouldn't have done it anything different. I wouldn't have done it differently because the whole country of of America and probably a lot of Central America would have probably managed differently on that.
0: Hell, even include Northern America, Canada.
1: Well, I don't know Canada. I don't know if Canada really cared that much, though. I was gonna say, I kind of agree with both of you guys. I I kind of agree with both of you guys here. I I don't think that Kevin Cash can come out and say that he did something wrong because I think that. Also at the same time that kind of throws out throws the guys that did blow it under underneath the bus in a sense, and that's kinda of not a good look. But at the same time, I think any any person in the world knows that inside he knows he messed up. I, I just you know, I think you open yourself up for a lot more flack and a lot more heat uh if you own it. And I'm not saying it's it's not it's not a good thing to own that in some situations, but you gotta be careful when you when you're not trying to throw your other guys underneath the bus for blowing it up too. So
0: the last words about Kevin Cash, Dave Roberts, or anything else that we've already gone over.
2: Uh, This doesn't count as a World Series win for the Dodgers. Um Again, <laughs> I, I can't stress enough that this is just morally unacceptable and very offensive to COVID survivors like myself that they played this <laughs> World Series. I thought it was in, completely irresponsible of them. And... um yeah, so I I don't think they should have played the World Series. Uh, I, I I think they have an asterisk on this World Series, not as big as the one the Astros have, a little bit smaller than that. But like I said, just unacceptable that they played the World Series this year.
0: I'm just really ashamed that now you can play the COVID card.
2: Yeah, see see see. Before I couldn't drop that last week because I didn't want to leak anything before. Um, I got my test results back, but now that being a COVID survivor like I am, because I beat it, um, you're I'm just, so brave. I, I am. I'm a brave person, and you're so I, brave. I just, I, I'm very offended that baseball, while I was battling COVID, you know, came back negative, but I battled it, and baseball is like, oh, we should play the World Series. No, you should be worried about me, your
1: fans, the fans. Another one of these. <laughs>
0: The fan. All right.
1: So Jeff, you're so brave. Welcome to the COVID club, buddy.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Hey, Survivor. hey
0: Jeff, you want to meet one of your buddies that's in the COVID club? I'm going to introduce his name.
2: Who's that? Uh, who's that?
0: Uh, it's Justin Turner of the Los Angeles segue. Dodgers who just won that World Series that you were ashamed that they played in. Um
2: Oh, so when, when did he confirm that he was positive? It was, like, after the game, right?
0: No, it was in the eighth inning. Oh, uh, okay, good, good. Cool.
2: good. Oh, so right, after, is... after they pulled Blake Snell.
0: So, <laughs> so here's the thing. I wish I would have seen this live, but in the bottom of the seventh, I did fall asleep watching the game because you knew who was going to win at this point. But apparently Enrique Hernandez replaced Justin Turner at third base. Um... So they go into the top of the eighth, and even the announcers—you know, everyone's favorite Joe Buck um, and Jeff's favorite John Smoltz—who I don't think you were really fond of John Smoltz in that NLCS, but um,
2: uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I've, I've lost my fondness for him. I was just like a disappointed dad, you <laughs> know, like like buddy, come on, like know where you came from.
0: Um, so. Justin Turner gets pulled, and nobody really knows why. And after the game, it was announced, after the Dodgers have won the World Series, you know, Julio Urias strikes out, what was it, Willie Adams? Yeah, or Adames. I think it's Adams. Um,
2: Adamus, I think it is, but that's neither here nor there.
0: uh, Looking on the pitch as well, on the third pitch. Um, Yeah, it's announced that Justin Turner tested positive for coronavirus. Okay. There's two things here. First, Justin Turner was already on the field doing whatever, not covering his mouth or anything, probably close to his teammates. Like, you know, you usually are as teammates in the dugout or on the field making plays, etc. Why, what difference does it make that you pull him out now? Like what, at what point do you think you're actually saving more people than you've already hurt by pulling this man off the field? Now, you know, something could happen where, you know, maybe of the one of the 5,000 people run on the field and Justin Turner happens to be close to him and then it gets on that person and spreads that way, but that's a very extreme possibility or very unlikely possibility. Um, at what point does that even matter that you pull him from the game? And second, after they win the World Series, he goes out onto the field to celebrate. He had a mask on, but then he goes up to... um Dave Roberts without the mask, like celebrating, like hugging them, essentially. And I'm not, don't quote me on this, but I think I heard through stories that I've read on my app or watched on television that, a uh, that supposedly Dave Roberts was a, um, a cancer survivor. Is this true? Do, does that, do any of you know that?
2: I did not know that. Okay. that?
0: Now, I, I could be wrong on that as well. Um, and then, you know, Kenley Jansen has had heart problems and had heart surgeries And he's on that roster as well. So you have a man who has this uh, virus that has not been able to be tamed down through all of, you could even say the end of last year. So we're going on a year now on this. And he's out there celebrating after you pulled him in the top of the eighth to isolate him. Does any of this make sense? Or like how awestruck are you at all of what just happened with game six? Because I think this was just a complete shit show
2: oh you forgot one more thing that the commissioner may or may not have been drunk handing out the commissioner's trophy thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. he, he he didn't care the season was over and he'd so, lost three billion dollars so he didn't care
2: he was like he was like the ring announcer in rocky three when uh, hulk hogan threw rocky into the the audience and was like all right drive home safely thank god <laughs> um but in all seriousness um for as well as MLB handled uh COVID and everything throughout the season after the Marlins and Cardinals thing, um that's they about were just how bad. getting milk. What's that?
0: The the Marlins were just <laughs> getting milk.
2: Yeah, just getting milk and um the, the Cardinals were just going to go get money out of the ATM too. So um as well as they handled those two situations, that's about how bad they handled game six of the uh of the World Series. It just it, it wasn't good. Uh, it. I just don't get like why anybody thought that it would be a good idea for Justin Turner to go back on the field. I get you've accomplished something you've been working your whole life on, and I just I just don't understand why you couldn't have team officials or something or even one of his teammates like to say like Hey, bud, come on! Like I get I get it, but like.
1: It's, you can't allow that to happen.
0: Zach, you got yeah. anything to add?
1: Yeah, I, I think, honestly, it, it perfectly summarized the, the chaotic 2020 uh, baseball season and year perfectly. I, I think, though, uh, to play devil's advocate, at least for pulling him in the eighth, not, not clearly not justifying him joining his team on the post-game celebration, but I, I think had everyone learned that he had tested positive during the game and he wasn't pulled. um, I think there would have been more, more blowback on that. And mind you, this is assuming that he's not joining his teammates after, regardless of the outcome. Um, And and that said, I I definitely think it was uh, poorly, poorly managed on his part, but also completely, completely uh, mishandled on the MLB's part, because I would think, and maybe this is just me trying to be smart here. You would have your, uh, your tests in before first pitch uh so that way you know if these players can play or not and not to get the results back in the in the sixth inning of a game and pull someone in the eighth or however that went down
0: so supposedly the test was inconclusive so zach if you're running this organization and all of your tests come back negative except for this one test it came back inconclusive for this player what do you do
1: a good thing they don't pay me money to make that decision because I think I would trot him out there to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'd I'd want a firm diagnosis that it was COVID to keep him out. But that said, an inconclusive test—I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty gray area there. So I mean, if that's actually what happened, then you know, I I, I don't fault the Dodgers at all for for trotting him out on the field because of an inconclusive test. You've seen several false positives in sports already throughout this whole process, so. I mean, to take the chance of not having him available in a clinching game of a World Series because of an inconclusive test, mind you, surely not a positive one. That changes everything. But yeah, I would have done what the Dodgers did and played him. And like I said, that is completely not excusing him for what happened after the game. I think, you know, once once they pulled him and whatnot, then, you know, he had every, like, he shouldn't have been anywhere near the field. And like you cited... uh, Jansen's heart condition and Dave Roberts question mark if he battled cancer or whatnot. Uh, You know, that's just stupid. And let alone any of the uh, players, family, friends, and and close relatives that uh, may have, you know, pre-existing conditions or things that they've also been through. So I think it was very boneheaded on his part, but at the same time, you know, uh, an inconclusive test would not keep me from putting him out of the field in a clinching game.
0: I'm actually surprised by that. I figured it would have been just... You know we're in a pandemic. If it's inconclusive, there's a chance it could be positive. We don't want to have that on the field. You want to have the best product out on the field, which would be Justin Turner playing third base for the Los Angeles Dodgers. But at the same time, you are trying to prevent everyone else in this so-called bubble to being able to contract or spread this virus that we still don't really have a grasp on. So I would disagree with you and say I would have Every reason not to play because you don't know if that test is positive and what comes after that.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean,
2: wh- you know, why is it any different because it's in a World Series? I mean, I mean, from day one when they went into summer camp, Freddie Freeman was told to go home because he had a positive COVID test. Grant, he actually had COVID and everything. I get that, but like, what's the difference between sending a guy home at the first day of? uh summer
1: camp and game six of the world series. There shouldn't be any difference. Well I was gonna ask the pose the same question. Uh since this was such a a, a higher leverage situation in game, do you think it was magnetized? Whereas there might have this might have happened several times throughout the MLB regular season that, that we just don't know of or you know, that wasn't solved. If it comes the, out was-
2: if it comes out it happened all year, that's a bad look.
1: That's a bad
2: look. It is uh, and
0: I will agree that it's is probably magnetized because of the severity, but that's the point of this. Like, everyone's watching you. You need to be on your tippy-toes and right. some to make sure that you don't make the mistakes that happen in this game. Um, anything else we just want to end on this? Because I'm over it. I, I want to be mad about something else.
1: F the Dodgers and F the race and F baseball, honestly. Yeah, I'm done.
0: All right, fair. <laughs> fair. So, uh, the... White Sox hired a new manager, everybody. Uh, I shouldn't really say new. Uh, they went into the closet and found something that worked uh, a couple years ago, about like 30 years ago, and just uh, got new batteries and put it put it in, and now they're going with it. Tony La Russa is coming back to coach the Chicago White Sox, um, his first team that I believe he, he managed professionally before heading over to Oakland, and... Guys, this man is 76 years old with one of the youngest. You could even argue behind the Braves and maybe another team, most um, diverse and like electric team to watch based off the players that they have on the field. Um, does this seem like a good mix to you with having LaRuza, who's what the third winningest manager of all time, 76 years old, come in to coach a very, very young squad that's really good?
2: Uh, the only thing I'll, I'll give the White Sox um, kind of a break on, I mean, Brian Snicker was pretty up there in age, too, and I, he coaches the Atlanta Braves.
1: And I was going to say, honestly, is
2: that really matter? Baker
1: still managing and he's like 80-something? Like, I just, but to be honest, I, I learned that Tony La Russa was still alive the other day. I didn't think he was still with us. So I mean, that was the first lesson I took away from this. But, you know, looking at, you know, some of the other managers in baseball, I mean, yeah, you would think a younger team infused with younger stars like that, you'd want a younger coach that could be more relation, you know, build a relationship with them and understand their play style and how they factor in. But at the same time, pretty sure Dusty Baker just turned nine hundred and six, and he's he still has a job. So
0: I think with Dusty Baker's situation with a team that was hated so much, this is a dude that knows how to take the the hate all on himself because of what he did with uh, Cincinnati and can't really say as much with like the Cubs or Giants, but his time in Cincinnati kind of made it a right marriage with, with Houston. I think with Tony La Russa and his upbringing with the game that I've seen with, which is just mainly being with the Cardinals, it is so uptight and professional Let's just go in the, the work sense and just use that word professional where, you know, you're dressing the best you you can, you're speaking the right language and there's no really looseness to the the workflow. Where I think the White Sox are that very you know, loose, relaxed team that knows how to just get the job done because of their age and swagger and everything else. Um, I could just be making up a lot of stuff right here and none of it could matter. But I think with Tony La Russa and how he left the game of baseball and the manager world and went into the front office, which I think is even more strict than being a manager on the field, then to come back from that front office role and back onto the field with this team just doesn't sit well with me. Um, and, Jeff, I don't know Brian's age off the top of my head, but you know you still have some core guys there that were um, – I wouldn't, I'd say critical to where they were when Freddie Gonzalez was there to even give them a swinging chance um, at being a competitive team. And Freddie uh, Freeman is really like the only one that pops off the top of my head where it comes to that critical guy to build around. I don't think they've had a guy in Chicago to really build around that they've had for the last 10 years, eight years, whatever. They have a very young squad Jose Abreu, uh, Lewis Robert, Lucas Giolito, and Eloy Jimenez that are all twenty five and below, that I don't think it's just a good mix because of that.
2: Uh Brian Snicker's sixty five years old, just uh just putting that out there to answer that question right. for you. It's an eleven um,
0: year difference between yeah. him and Larusa.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean he's still up there. He's still eligible eligible to retire. Go on. Um, but anyways, Um, the one thing that I will say the difference is to agree with you, Dave, which we never do on this show, um, is that Brian Snicker is, is a brave. He's only been a brave. He'll always be a brave. So that's kind of the difference there where Taylor Russo just kind of just like came out of nowhere. It's not like he was in the White Sox organization or was working in their front office or anything like they literally just like, Oh, Tony La Russa, Absolutely, like that. That that's an absolute perfect, perfect move for us. Like it just doesn't make sense. I I I don't know. I I agree with your take. I'm I was just kind of playing devil's advocate with it, but um, I don't know. Is uh, can Tony Russa still manage? We know he's probably not going to pull the pitcher when he's got a one hitter going at seventy-five pitches in the sixth inning.
0: I I can guarantee you he won't do that if that if they ever get there.
2: Although he overmanaged a lot when he was in uh, when he was in Saint Lu- Saint Louis, a lot it, it just happened to work a lot.
0: It's the cardinal way, isn't it? Yep.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Say that so,
0: while say that without rolling your eyes.
1: <laughs> so, just so I can formulate my opinion, I need to hear your final thoughts, both of you. If you're for or against La, La Russa hire, I feel like you're both against it. Against. <sighs> I I
2: don't know. It just doesn't make sense, but I mean, for the I'll say I'm for it because I I feel like that's a team that can, you know, a a team that's so young like that, it doesn't hurt to have
1: a little little veteran presence, for lack of a better term, I guess. I don't know. Well, damn, now I'm in a tough spot because one agree and one disagree, so I need to be the tiebreaker here. Uh, Jeez. uh, I guess I like it. I guess I like it. Damn it. Damn it.
0: <laughs> Did You You just wanted to like it and be the only one to like it.
1: Yeah. Jeff killed my vibe when he was like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But I guess I like it. And I'm like, well, shit. Like, you know, you're supposed to, you, you guys were supposed to both say no. I was supposed to get that from both of you guys. And I was supposed to be like, I love it. Greatest hire in history. Like third, <laughs> third winningest manager of all time. Like next parade in Chicago is going to the White Sox. But, you know. Yeah, it talk to Dave. He disagrees with
0: you. Don't, don't worry. It always comes back around. I'll be right here. Don't you Everybody worry.
2: Everybody seems to be coming around.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about baseball. Um, well, not really talk about Just make predictions because the candidates for a lot of the awards that we made predictions for at the beginning of the season came out. And we have like manager of, the, uh, manager of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and MVP. So let's start and just rapid-fire with our picks. And let's start with the NL Manager of the Year. We have Don Mattingly of the Marlins, David Ross of the Cubs, and Jace Tingler of the Padres. Um, who wants to go first? Yeah,
1: I'll pick Don Mattingly, honestly. I mean... The Marlins technically got into what the second round of the playoffs, um, and they're the Miami. They Marlins. beat the Cubs. Yeah, they did beat the Cubs. Correct. Um, yeah, I find it hard to to not uh, to not pick him. I, I, the Padres team was loaded. I mean, you know, the team that half the trade acquisitions they went out there and got. I mean, you know, you have a good team like that. I expect you to win. And who was the other candidate you mentioned?
0: David Ross of the Cubs.
1: Yeah, he sucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I completely agree with Zach and how you kind of ranked them there um, and the analysis as well. I thought, I mean, here's the thing David Ross did, uh, did really well at the beginning of the year. I didn't think that team would be as good as they were at the beginning at 13 and 2, I think was their best point in the first 15 games. But towards the end of the year, everyone, including that Chicago Cubs team, sucked in the NL Central. Um, oh, and also, fun fact, I don't know if we talked about this through the playoffs, no team from the Central Divisions got to the Divisional Series of the playoffs in baseball. How crazy is that?
1: That is crazy. Yeah, it is so, weird.
0: Um, where you had four in the NL Central and three in the AL Central, all of them got eliminated in the wild card round. Um, but yeah, I, I think Don Mattingly wins this.
2: I think it's Don Manningley. I think just because of how quickly he was able to uh get the Marlins back in the playoffs and that, that's I mean you couldn't get bigger air quotes on that, but um like like Zach said, the, the the Padres were stacked. They had they had a ton of um ton of players on that roster that, that could easily get that team competing in the NL West. Um but for Don Manningley Everybody was saying the Marlins were going to be better than they've been in years past, but I don't think people expected them to be as high in the National League East, and I think that helps that the Mets suck and the Phillies suck too. So, um, But I agree with you guys. I think it's Don Mattingly's, uh manager of the year. But I wouldn't be shocked if like David Ross backdoors his way into this.
0: I'm going to be very tied up with that if he finds a way to win this. Um, let's move on. To the next one, AL Manager of the Year. <laughs> we got our boy Kevin Cash of the Rays, um, Charlie Montoya of the Blue Jays, and Rick Renteria, not currently, but Rick Renteria of the White Sox. This is a hilarious race, and mm. Jeff, I'll let you go first. Um, I mean, it's going to
2: be Kevin Cash because he's able mm. to just outslug the Yankees to a division title. Um, I wonder how many people are going to hold... Game six of the World Series over his head.
0: Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I want to say these votes are casted before mm-hmm. um, the playoffs, and they're just not announced until after the playoffs. But I don't know even if you could do that to the man if they didn't vote yet.
2: Oh, I'd do it. For, especially of all people, of, like, of all these sports medias that would do it, baseball would
1: 100% do it. Yeah, sure. I'm, picking, exactly. I'm picking Kevin Cash here. I mean, honestly, like like Dave suggested, I, I think the votes are cast beforehand. I mean, even after the fact, I mean, they still beat the living piss out of the Yankees, and, and that made me super happy. So, I mean, yeah, the blip was major, mess up with this whole Snell decision, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I, so, I don't know. I think it's the best pick there.
0: I want to be different from you guys. I'm going to give it to... Uh um I, I couldn't think of the charlie montoya i was about to say like you know rick montana or something like Tony that
1: montana
0: <laughs> charlie montoya of the blue jays because this team is kind of on the rise i know they were only the number eight seed and you know got thwacked by the rays in the wild card game but this is a team that's slowly on the rise yeah. and with you know Vlad Guerrero jr uh, bichette biggio jr all these or i don't even think it's not biggio jr but um all these young guys that are kind of popping up through the system. This is a team in a stacked division to be kind of watched out for. I I want to use the word stacked division because there's usually the Rays and Yankee Rays, Yankees and Red Sox recently. Um, I think the Blue Jays have a chance to compete in the future, but I, I'd say give it to the man that hasn't been able to a team that hasn't had much success since '93. So I just wanted to be different from you guys. I respect it. All right. And our rookie of the year. Um, you got Alec Bohm of the Phillies, the third baseman. Jake Cronworth, a second baseman of the Padres. And Devin Williams, a reliever for the Brewers. I will try to ease the pain here. I think Devin Williams already won reliever of the year, which was only like two and a half months in baseball this year. Um, so I'm going to give it to Devin Williams. I know he – is when you can get that type of award as a rookie – how do you not win that rookie of the year as well?
1: So here's how I'm going to base my decision. Uh, I'm going to go with Devin Williams as well, because I know that he had an 88 overall MLB card for being good this year. Um, Alec Bame or whatever his name is. Haven't heard of him. Uh, and Jake Cronenworth, I think you said was the other one. Uh, I tried to hit with him on the game and his stance sucked. So it's a no brainer for me. Um, I'm going to say, F the
2: Philly, so Alex Bohm, go take a hike. Um, Devin Williams, you've had enough winning. You won the Aids Reliever of the Year, whatever that award is. Um, so I'm going to go Jake Cronworth. Um, you're the Rookie of the Year. But, I mean, everybody knows it should have been Ian Anderson, so let's keep it moving.
0: All right. Next, we got AL Rookie of the Year with uh, Christian Javier, starting pitcher of the Astros, Kyle Lewis, outfielder for the Mariners, and Luis Robert, outfielder of the White Sox. Um, let me try to just give you some stats here real quick, because I guarantee you guys are like me and know little about these guys, except for maybe Luis Robert, uh, Javier stepped up for the Astros after their pitching staff was decimated by injuries. This is via the score, by the way, Um uh, putting up a 3.48 ERA and a 0.99 whip to help Houston reach the playoffs. Lewis was a bright spot for the Mariners this year, posting an 801 OPS with 11 homers and his 1.7 F4 was tied for the most by a rookie this year. Though Roberts struggled at times and finished with a near-average 101 OPS plus, the Cuban phenom turned in a fine season on both sides of the ball. In addition to his 11 homers and 9 steals, he was named a Gold Glove finalist in center field. Give it to the man, Kyle Lewis, in Seattle. I think he had like a 9-game hitting streak at one point.
2: Yeah, I've heard of Kyle Lewis before, too. I think I... I um like trade for him on MLB or something like that. So I'll take (laughs) Zach's thought on this. I don't know.
1: Seattle deserves something this year, right? They've had a rough summer. So using the same logic that Jeff just used and the same logic I used for the answer before, I'm kind of torn here because uh, Christian Javier has an unreal uh, pitching windup on MLB. Very effective online, especially because it lags a little bit so you can get those strikeouts. I think he had a 96 overall card come out. I loved using him. Um, but that said, that said, um, I don't know. That's that's definitely a difficult one. Luis Robert is, is, is pretty good, and I was able to hit some nukes with him uh, when I had his card. So I'm really torn, but I'm going to give it to the Astros reliever.
0: All right, so let's get to the next one here. It is going to be the NL. Saw Young Award. We got Trevor Bauer of the Reds, Hugh Darvish of the Cubs, and Jacob deGrom of the Mets. Do you guys need any numbers or do you already have your pick?
1: So I, I got have, my pick before he even said it.
0: Alright. What is it?
1: I am going to go with Trevor Bauer. Um, partly because he just... Well, mostly. Mostly. Because he makes everyone mad. Um, I respect a guy that can just make so many people mad by tweeting, by by calling baseball out for some of the BS that it it has done, um, so that might not be stat related at all or the answer that you wanted. But I'm a big Bauer guy, so yeah. I mean, Trevor Bauer is the best pitcher in in
2: um, in the National League this year. Um, I can say facing the Reds in the first round of the playoffs or the Wild Card series, whatever the hell they called it, um, facing him and having Sonny Gray and Luis. Castillo? Castillo. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought it was like a Castanado or something stupid like that. But, um, Casablanca. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, <laughs> that was terrifying dealing with that that possibility of facing those three in a three game series. And especially with Trevor Bauer, um, for the year that he had. So, um, Trevor Bauer's my son Young. I mean, he was just a threat all year. Not that Jacob DeGrom wasn't, but Jacob DeGrom just, How many times can this guy win the Cy Young and not be in the playoffs?
0: A lot because the Mets suck.
2: But it's cute for like one year, but eventually you have to get it to somebody who's actually pitching in meaningful games down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it to Trevor Bauer too. He was just dominant all year long. Nobody was really better than him at any point. You could argue you Darvish at the beginning of the year, but he didn't finish the year like Trevor Bauer did. So... We all agree on that. This is going to be an easy agreement here. Al young Young. Um, I'm going to save the name for last, even though it's on top. Kuntamayeta of the Twins. Hyunjin Review for the Blue Jays. And Jeff, who's the third one?
2: Uh, I think the guy that I picked in our our preview show, uh, Shane Beaver. So yeah, I, I, I...
0: Um, I don't oh, know. Oh. What are... Yeah, I don't know what just happened on the microphone there. That was kind of weird, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think Jeff was just celebrating that hard that he picked Shane Bieber at the beginning of the year in our prediction uh, show before the season started, even though he didn't put money on it. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, it's going to be Shane Bieber. Um, Zach, you can disagree just to disagree, but you're, you'll be wrong if you do.
1: I was going to say, I, I, I know when to pick and choose my battles, and this is one I'm not going to take. It is going to be unanimously Shane Bieber.
0: If it's not, we'll be mad.
1: It better be Justin Bieber, then.
0: All right, so let's go hop over to AL MVP because we got to save the best for last for Jeff. Um, we got Jose Abreu of the White Sox, DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees, and Jose Ramirez of the Indians. Zach, do you want to hop in there and see who do you think is going to win it?
1: <laughs> give me the give me the first two names again. I know Jose Ramirez is on there.
0: We got Jose Abreu, DJ LeMahieu, and Jose Ramirez.
1: Oh, OK. OK. So stats aside, I I would think uh, so. Jose Ramirez came on really strong at the end of the year, but I think Jose Abreu was the most consistent throughout the year. Um, So I'll, I'll pick I'll, I'll pick Jose Abreu. And I do not like DJ LeMay. He literally looks like he's four years old, so I can't pick him.
0: DJ LeMay, who's probably one of the best hitters in the game right now, but I'm going to agree with you. Jose Abreu, who, for some reason, I thought he was younger than what he was, but I remember him lying about his age a couple years ago. and I forgot that part. So whenever I was on my White Sox rant, um, Jose Abreu could be the Freddie Freeman of the White Sox at 33 years old, um, but played in all 60 games, 60 hits, um, 60 ribbies. So he averaged an RBI per hit, which is pretty impressive. Slug six seventeen and nineteen home runs. I think that's enough for Jose Abreu to win.
2: Uh, I don't know. This is a coin flip for me. I'll take DJ LeMahieu. I think he he really helps that Yankee lineup. Kind of brings the consistency of a consistent hitter, game in and game out, um, which is big for a lineup that has a lot of strikeouts in it. With uh, Judge and Sand, yeah, they hit a lot of home runs, but there's also a lot of a lot of strikeouts that come with those home runs. So I'll take LeMahieu just for his consistency.
0: All right, let's wrap it up with NL MVP. We got Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, Manny Machado of the Padres, and Jeff's boy, Freddie Freeman of the Braves. Um, Zach, don't, don't make Jeff mad here.
1: I, I can't not make Jeff mad. I think Mookie Betts is going to get it. Boo. Boo. And quite frankly, I want Mookie Betts to get it, just because I loved when Jeff was on that rant last, last week. So I, just for my own amusement purposes and the text messages on know we'll get in the group uh, when we discuss, I sign me up for it.
0: You know, if Mookie Betts were to win an MVP, let's just say it happens this year, he'll be the second player to win an MVP in both leagues.
1: I didn't know that, but that is why you get paid the big bucks on the show. So thank you for telling me. Well, no, Frank Robinson. There you go. Now you get the big box.
0: (laughs) Frank Robinson, who had the other, no, he wanted in both leagues. Um, It's got to be Freddie Freeman. He was just so stellar all across the board with his stats. Um, Mentioned here that he led the majors in runs and doubles and had more walks than strikeouts, and he played in every single game, even with that little scare of COVID nineteen. So, Jeff. We all know who you're picking.
2: <laughs> Where do I start here? First of all, me and Freddie Freeman, one thing we both have in common, besides that we both love the Atlanta Braves, is that we both survived COVID, first of all, for case, case in point right there. Um, second thing, uh, you want to talk about an MVP. When you think of MVP, um, a lot of people look at stats. You like, you like the sexy numbers like home runs, RBIs, um, slugging, stuff like that. Uh, Freddie Freeman has all those. He has all those. He does put up the numbers in the home runs and the RBIs and the average and all those sexy numbers. Um, But when you talk about a guy that has been so valuable to this franchise, um, when he signed his long-term deal, when this team was about to go into their rebuild, um, the guy that you can pretty much pen in your lineup card each and every night in the third spot, unless there's um, some Small little changes that Brian Snicker like, like to do this year by moving him up to the two-hole. But for the most part, you can find him in the third spot in the lineup. Um, very rarely, unless it's something super serious, does he miss games. Um, and for as much as teams shift on him, you know they like to do those crazy shifts where you got the shortstop and shallow right field or whatever. He adapted his game where he's one of the best almost opposite field hitters in baseball. Um, so when I think of complete value to a team and how much of a heart and soul guy this is, Freddie Freeman's my guy. I mean, Mookie Betts has all the talent in the world around him with the Dodgers. Manny Machado has a ton of talent around him in San Diego. Yes, Freddie has it, but that talent doesn't excel the way it does without Freddie Freeman. And that is why Freddie Freeman is my MVP. And I will warn Major League Baseball right now. Right now, you can listen to this podcast. If Freddie Freeman does not win the National League MVP this year, there will be riots like you've never seen before. By one guy. One guy. And I'm sure the city of Atlanta, I will reach out to my brothers. Like Dusty Rhodes, my hand is reaching out, touching your hand. We We will riot together if Freddie Freeman does not win this National League MVP. You have been warned Major League Baseball. Commissioner... Sober up a little bit and make sure you make the right, the, the right choice here. Because if you don't, you're going to regret it. I promise you that. I promise you that. That you're going to regret not giving Freddie Freeman the National League MVP. That's all I got.
0: Zach, what did you think about his dissertation of uh, Civil War?
1: Uh, you know, I, I was definitely invested for the first part of it. And then like the second part came very hot and heavy. And I was like, damn but I, I do give him do give him credit, that was a very nice speech uh, one one thing I will say and I think that uh, while I don't actually want Mookie Betts to win um, I just kind of wanted to piss Jeff off I, I think that this is one of those memes with the world coming together that everyone will be happy if Manny Machado doesn't win
0: fair, yeah, we're, That's we're true. pretty cool with that That's I think it's better true. that he's in San Diego that not as many people hate him so, but I, I get what you're saying
2: Don't don't forget too. How much of a feel good story would it be? Like, I could totally see the National League MVP going like going to Freddie Freeman, and like it just being like a big story for the country, just to uplift the country. Like Freddie Freeman, we've all heard the story where he was he was laying in bed and he prayed to God saying like Don't take me now." When he had the 105 degree temperature and everything, and comes back, beats COVID, wins a National League MVP. We can all do it. It's a story we can all rally around and make this country feel better in this trying trying time
1: good thing that the mvp voting will end well actually never mind forget i said that i was gonna say it will uh the election will have ended before that but but lord knows but yeah, i was gonna yeah, say at least, could that. Have, <laughs> at least i could have cause i was gonna say we, we have a chance of that not being used for political advertisement because i could totally see a candidate being like freddie freeman true fighter american hero like so well, but don't... i mean i digress there's this election, there's no telling when it'll end.
2: Let's not say either candidate. Let's just say it's Donald Trump that would 100% use that.
1: Okay, you said it, not me. I was trying to be <laughs> partisan there. No, no.
2: <laughs> hey, I, hey, hey, let's just call a spade a spade where it's at. <laughs> oh, that's fair.
0: Um, I know I wanted to talk about this, but we're running out of time. So uh, NHL might do a shortened season, 48 games. We're all for this, especially if they start January 1st. Yay! Yay on this idea. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up.
1: Absolutely. because you need to eventually get back to the normal eighty-two game schedule, and there's and there's no way in hell you're gonna do that by even playing sixty and super condensed, or even God, God willing, an eighty-two game season next year. So I think 48's the right move, and it needs to happen.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You got to get some kind of hockey back in, and you got to somehow create revenue for yourself, and um you know, if, you, if you're trying to get back to 82 games next fall, you got to play 48 or we just don't have a season. It's one of the two. So.
0: So, um, Zach, is there any thing that we should tell our listeners about the, the current off season that we're going to be in? Because this is usually the time that we're in the beginning of the NHL and getting into the, the games here and there, but we all know the year that we've just had. Um, so do we, I think you know what to say here better than us about like what might be happening um, in the off season with us.
1: Yeah. uh, There's definitely going to be, and I just want to thank any listener that's still listening up to this point. Um, There is going to be some new and exciting things to come for this podcast for the Icy takes podcast. And um, I hope that you'll join us for the ride. Um, We've got some very special things planned. I really don't want to allude too much of it, but let's put it like this. For the first time since I've been on this show and for the first time since uh, in a long time, I feel like we all have a clear vision of where we want this podcast to go. Um, There will be some restructuring going on. There will be more content added uh, and a lot more interactive features and things that I think that all of our listeners as well as us should be very excited for. Um, And the reason I don't want to put a, a label on that yet is because we're still working out some kinks and some details. Uh and the off season came at the perfect time for that. But much like uh the year twenty twenty, we just want this year to end. Uh and by the time these sports that we love and cover start back up, we should have a completely new kind of feature as well as show for all of our listeners to enjoy.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean that's essentially uh he took the words out of my mouth. I didn't I think he was able to word it the best, Jeff, right?
2: yeah i think so um yeah we're gonna make this uh hopefully a little bit of an easier listen because uh shows like this is me and zach like to call it a big dave show where you know we start at seven and we're done at midnight so um (laughs) i will say
0: at the beginning at the beginning it was you guys taking up most of the time and then you let me have my piece so it kind of went in the middle there
2: yeah so we'll we'll, we're still gonna call it a big dave podcast but um but yeah so you know, without giving too many details, because we don't even have our, our full details yet, we what we want to release to you guys. Um, just some changes coming hopefully to make it a little bit easier to listen for you guys. Um, hopefully, not as jumbled around as what we've been doing kind of with the whole COVID thing going on right now. So, um, hopefully, make it a little bit easier on you guys, and uh, hopefully, it's uh, some more great, uh, as we like to use the C word, content coming your way. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's all I can say about it.
0: All right. Um, I think it's cool to wrap it up with our MVPs of the week and I'll go first. It's going to be an LVP. It's Kevin cash. That was the most dumb move you could pull off in a game six of a world series. When you have a chance to go to game seven, um, you're going to be, you're going to regret it.
1: Jeff, that's go all. ahead. Cause I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing yet.
2: Um, I'm going to use this, and I I swear this isn't me trying to boast one side of things. Um, My MVP is going to be the American people for tomorrow or today when you listen to this on Tuesday. Uh, It'll be election day. I strongly encourage you to go vote. Whoever you vote for, that is up to you. It's your right as an American to do it. It's a right that not a lot of people in this world get to go do. Um, I encourage you to vote um you know be part of history and um when you go vote be proud of your choice um but also should your candidate not win take it like an adult that you didn't win it's okay it's okay the things will get better trust me but don't don't do anything to hurt the country just because your candidate didn't win you voted you're part of it. It's the way it goes. So please go out and vote. Make your voice be heard. But again, if things don't go the way you want it to, take it like an adult. That's all you got to say. Go vote. God bless America.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about doing something for election day. So I'm going to do an MVP and an LVP. Uh, the MVP is going to be the election because, like Jeff said, you can't vote in every country. We, we do have that, uh, that great freedom and the great choice to do so, albeit you know, some of the results might be flawed and something skewed. But nonetheless, we get the choice to do that. Uh, and the LVP is going to go to the election. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Lord knows, like the South Park episode, this is like legit picking between a douche and a turd sandwich. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I think for the first time that I can remember, we're, we're probably not going to have a winning candidate announced uh, tomorrow night or into the early hours of Wednesday. And this could linger on for days. So... Uh, MVP election,
0: LVP election. It could be like 2000. I know we were young, but you know, let's we'll recount Florida. Recount Florida. Yeah, recount, recount Florida. Florida.
1: Hell, it might
2: be PA this year. Yeah, it might be P- PA this year. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, we can be the center. Can't of wait to be part now. of history. <laughs> be a part of history. Make history. Um, so yeah, you've been listening to the Icy Takes podcast. Hopefully, you at least made it this far. That that's impressive. Um you can like us on Facebook at IC Takes with Zach, Jeff, and Big Dave. Follow us on the Twitter at IC takes I C E Y Takes altogether one word. That's the way we like to spell it. Follow the personal Twitters at Big underscore Day Fifty Two.
1: At Zach Morris eighty two.
2: At J Chris underscore fifty
0: one. Like our Lord and Savior, Amen. Um, if you like the show, tell your friends about it. You know, we always appreciate more listeners and more people to pick apart our, you know, our great analysis of how we <laughs> tell the stories. Um, and if you like shows that go off the rails, then you pick the right show. So until then, um, we don't know actually the next time we'll see you. I was going to say next week, but we're not sure. So until then, stay icy, everyone.